to you live, or maybe not if you're listening to the podcast version, but we are live here on Twitch, Destination Draft Day, Nick Durst and Michael Rochman, and we just wanted to let all of our listeners know that for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to NFL, from recruiting to NFL draft, agency, from pregame to postgame, film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and screens. LandryFootball.com is your search for all things football and Everybody could, you know, find our show on all streaming platforms. And thank you for joining. And please help us spread the word that you can catch us and every other show, including fantasy football shows, on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. And Michael, a little bit ago before we came on to do the show, there was some. Um, Breaking news, sort of. Uh, you know, we've been tracking the Big Ten here, and they're looking. The parents are protesting. They want the, the their kids to play, and we talked about in our last shows about the impact of the draft if, the, if they're doing a spring season. But it comes out today that the Big Ten is exploring an option to start their season around Thanksgiving. So, no pun intended, but that's pretty big news when it comes to draft. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting to see what actually happens from this. I know a lot of people are extremely frustrated to hear that they're considering starting at around Thanksgiving time because they feel like, you know, if you're already starting in this kind of semester range, why not try to make it work to where you can start in September? People think they jumped the gun in terms of canceling the season already. And while I get the decision, I, I think there is – justified frustration with this issue because a lot of people want to see these teams play, want to play if they're on these teams or have kids on this team. So really there's, there's no right way to go about this, but there there's definitely going to be a lot of chaos with this decision decision. And if they don't figure something out that kind of appeases both sides, there's not going to be a good play out from this. And a lot of people want to say, oh, well, you know, if they're starting in November, then we get to see them for enough time before the playoffs start. There's no chance. We're only getting a few weeks out of it. Their season, even if they start before playoffs and bowl season, that you can't consider like a 5-0 and Ohio State as a playoff contender. Yeah, I don't think there's any way they could be considered for bowl games or – you know, championship game. It just it just wouldn't make sense. So they'd have to just maybe playing into into the new year. And I, I mean, I think the players would like that better than than starting in January, especially those that are draft eligible, because then they'll have to worry about you know the combine if there is one, and and competing with other players who are going to play and they're not. Everybody will be seen, and also coaches. I think you know Sean Day and Jim Harbaugh. I think they would prefer that the season be played as early as possible because they don't want to be impacting and messing up the 2021 season. Cause if they're playing a, sp- a spring ball, it's going to be a quick turnaround there to the end of that season, to the beginning of, of summer camp. Yeah. And you think about some of the schools like Ohio state where Justin Fields is likely entering the draft right after the season, they're going to have to find who their next quarterback is right away. They won't really have time to really have this spring battle, have this, entire camp of time and yes you'll have your summer you'll have your fall practice but 
a lot of positions are decided in spring battles. A lot of guys figure out whether they want to transfer out. The chaos that overlaps because of this season going into next is going to be, you know, very chaotic <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, like you mentioned, Justin Fields, a lot of rookies in the NFL want to come in and make an immediate impact. And, you know, if they're going to be able to have to get the opportunity, they need to be able to prepare for the draft. And because players who are coming off playing a full season uh, in, you know, let's say April or May, it's going to be tough for them to really compete heading into, you know, OTAs like a month later. Uh, but, you know, the rookies in the NFL this year, they don't really have that that much of an issue So we'll, as far as that, but they do have the problem of they really weren't ha- able to compete on the field too much, so they're still learning playbooks and whatnot. So we'll see which rookies could uh, certainly make a, a big impact on the field this upcoming season. Yeah, and to talk about that, we have Sky Guasco with Candlestick Kids uh, coming in to talk about his top rookies. How's it going, Sky? Hello. Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you for having oh, me on. I appreciate it. How are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're, we hear you just fine. How's it going? All right. Excellent. Very happy to be here. Thank you uh, for having me on. Destination, excited to be uh, uh, another member of the Chris Landry football team. Yeah. So, Sky, look, in fantasy football, every year we kind of hype up these rookies. And I, I'm guilty of it, being someone who's so invested in the draft. I'm I'm picking six round picks in my fantasy football draft, probably in the fifth round of that draft. We we always get so hyped on these rookies, and it's hard to really figure out who the top options are, who's really going to produce in that first year. So why don't you go ahead and tell us your top five for this season? I love it, and that's great. And I'm going to take a couple couple different approaches here. So of course we'll start at the top with Joe Burrow at the quarterback position. I'll run through every guy here in just a second, but. Getting down the list at the top at the quarterback position is Joe Burrow. I just don't think Tua or Justin Herbert, my dog, I live down the street from Autzen Stadium here in Eugene, Oregon, grew up watching Justin Herbert, but I don't think he starts right away for the Chargers. Tua obviously going to have to wait in Miami as well, so Burrow's the guy there. At running back, i got a few different options. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously, if you're in the fantasy circle, you know that he's kind of taken the summer by storm. He's my number two and my number one running back. Then we got Jonathan Taylor, who's basically kind of neck and neck with him in dynasty drafts for sure with the Colts. Then Cam Akers with the Rams. And my top receiver is Jalen Rager. So I'm going to start with Jalen Rager and kind of work my way back to Joe Burrow. That's good with you guys. Yep, works perfectly. Excellent. So Jalen Rager gets drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. We knew that last year they needed quite a bit of help in the wide receiver core. They would lose Nelson Aguilar. He goes to the Raiders. He had drops last year, but he was still a dynamic player when he was healthy. Alshon Jeffrey, who's been a great player on the field, a touchdown magnet for Carson Wentz for years. Unfortunately, he has soft tissue issues dating back to his days in Chicago. Unfortunately, he's not going to be healthy. He'll end up probably on the pup to start the season. Deshaun Jackson, great veteran, kind of a fantasy football all-star for a decade. He also is battling some injuries from last year, so you can't really count on him. You got the great tight ends in Ertz and Goddard, but we got to look at Jalen Rager as a rookie to get an immediate impact. I had a couple runners up at this position as well. Love Michael Pittman in Indianapolis long-term. I love Justin Jefferson for the Vikings, and I also love Van Jefferson in Los Angeles with the Rams as well. But I think Jalen Rager gets the most value this particular season. CeeDee Lamb, obviously, with the Cowboys. You have um, uh, Jerry Judy with the Broncos. A lot of names here. 
for big name players long term. But this particular season, if you're in a redraft league, that's very important. If you're in a redraft league, I think it's most important to target Jalen Reger. He's going to jump into targets immediately. When Carson Wentz is healthy, he wants to throw it downfield. Very accurate. He is second behind only Russell Wilson the last two seasons in red zone touchdown passes. So I like that for Jalen Reger. Absolutely. Sky. Next up. With, with Reger. Yes, sir. Is he catching more touchdown passes this year from Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts? Because <laughs> oh, you know, don't Eagles, give me fans, right. Eagles fans were hurting when Jalen Hurts was drafted in the first, in the second round, uh, with, with the twenty-first uh, pick of the round. I mean, that was a, that was a big shocker, and uh, a lot of people were not high on Jalen Hurts, uh, but you know, the Eagles apparently are. Yeah, I don't think they were hurting as much as the Green Bay Packers fans were when Jordan Love got drafted in the first round. But to your point, um, don't get me started on Carson Wentz, man. I love the player, but I have been very vocal, right? I run the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Fantasy Show right here on Chris Landry as well, Monday through Thursday, 6 to 7 Eastern, if you want to head up some fantasy talk. But, man, I've gone off on Wentz a bunch, and it's it's not the player. I love the player. The situation's tough. He's had injury problems. His entire wide receiver core has had injury problems. Love Ertz. Love Goddard. Um, love Miles Sanders, also injured. I just have trouble with Carson Wentz drafting him as my fantasy quarterback. But let's be real. In the NFL stance, it's Wentz's team unless he can't go, period. Um now, if Jalen Hurts gets a chance, I think he can be successful, and I think he's worth a dynasty stash, but he's going to be nowhere to be found except for maybe some Taysom Hill you know, hybrid stuff potentially as a rookie, but there's no way unless Carson Wentz goes down that Jalen Hurts is going to have significant work. So moving on to number four, you have Cam Akers, who at Florida State was an outstanding running back, maybe didn't have the best offensive line at the time, but created plays regardless kind of comes into a similar situation in Los Angeles with a questionable offensive line, but really an opportunity to have a great workload. Why don't you talk a little bit about why you like him? Yeah, I like Cam Akers a lot. And I think what it comes down to, again, it's opportunity, right? What you're worried about with rookies always, well, fantasy football in general is opportunity, but we, what you're worried about with rookies is the opportunity share. Now, you look at on paper, you look at the Rams and they have three running backs, right? Darrell Henderson who's stuck around the last couple of years and Malcolm Brown. Both of those guys have been kind of the one, you know, the two A, the two B behind Todd Gurley the last few years. But the reality is when Todd Gurley's come up gimpy or been hurt, Malcolm Brown had a good game. Darrell Henderson showed a little promise last year in preseason. People were drafting him in the sixth round last year. Obviously, that blew up. Unfortunately, it's not working out because. They just don't have the single back skill set to make it happen. Now, you look at Sean McVay, who had an incredible offensive line 2017, an incredible offensive line 2018. Todd Gurley back to back, running back one overall. All right. The arthritis is another conversation, but nonetheless, he was very effective behind that offensive line. Took him to the Super Bowl, yada, yada. Last year, that offensive line was first against the pass rush, 31st against the run. Right. So not getting it done for that offensive line. You just mentioned Cam Akers had a terrible offensive line. I believe the worst in college football at Florida State. All right. Cam Akers was still very, very effective. Now he goes into uh, a situation with the Rams where they have to figure out what's it, what's up with Jared Goff. So I think that they're going to be taming him down a little bit. Right. I don't think he's going to be over 600 pass attempts again. So they're going to be running the ball frequently. Now, 
I think Cam Akers brings a skill set that's going to help him get three down work. He can catch the ball and he obviously can run between the tackles, has breakaway speed as well. So I like the fit. It's a little cloudy, but Daryl Henderson has already gotten banged up in the preseason. Malcolm Brown, I think, is just kind of a, a backup backup at this point. Again, like Rager, it's going to be Akers' position to lose even as a rookie. And that's what you're looking at with these other you know rookie players. There's a lot of rookies who might have impact-ish in fantasy this year. Overall, you're looking at who has the most impact and the most opportunity share. And for me, one of my top three running backs is Cam Akers because – He's already, I think, beat out. He's taken first-team reps in practice, which you love to see, obviously. And they have a terrible strength of schedule to start the season. So it's really going to be, I think, tough for Jared Goff to carry this team. They're going to have to lean on a balanced rush attack, work off that play action. And Goff has had his uh, hiccups, but he is very effective off the play action. Of course, you have Cup and Woods, Higby, Gerald Everett, uh, Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson, who I mentioned. So there's plenty of options there. Um, I do think that Cam Akers has plenty of work. Now, he is not somebody I'm necessarily targeting in redraft. I want to be clear about that. I think there's other guys I would rather have where he's going with his current ADP. Um, you have down there the PPR 37 how, or 67, excuse me. However, if we're talking about rookies specifically, I think he's a nice hold as maybe your RB three or four. And in dynasty leagues, I think he's absolutely worth a back of the first uh, second round pick. And you can kind of see how the Rams work out this year. Yeah. And moving on from acres to a guy who had a much better opportunity from his offensive line. We got Jonathan Taylor, who is coming from one of the best offensive lines in college football to now one of the best lines in the NFL. Tell us a little bit about what you like about Taylor. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I think would be a stud on any team. He just happens to fall on arguably the best offensive line in the National Football League outside of maybe Dallas, maybe Philadelphia. But the Colts up front with Quentin Nelson, of course, but the rest of that squad are incredible. Marlon Mack, who people have basically just thrown in the trash at this point in fantasy leagues, and Naheem Hines, who's pretty much just a pass catcher at this point, have kind of faded away because of Jonathan Taylor coming onto the Colts. Now, he is getting drafted in about the third round. Now, in redraft, I think it's a bit risky because we just don't know because he's a rookie. However, I think outside of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who we'll get to in just a second, he is the most bona fide guaranteed workhorse for the Colts. It may not happen in the first two or three weeks, but I think it will happen by week four and therefore after. I think there's a very good chance, even as a rookie, Jonathan Taylor gets 250-plus touches. We saw that happen last year with Marlon Mack. Even if Marlon Mack gets 100 touches, that Jordan Wilkins had last year, Naheem Hines had last year. We split that up with Marlon Mack. I think we can still get 250 touches for Jonathan Taylor. 1,200-plus yards I think is absolutely reasonable and maybe eight touchdowns. That is probably a back-end RB1 if you get some work in the pass game. Definitely a front-end RB2. Again, best offensive line in football, I think. And I think another thing that is kind of going under the radar as far as Jonathan Taylor, he's not necessarily known as a pass catcher, you know, one of the NCAA's all-time leading rushers at Wisconsin, um, joining other incredible Badger running backs in college football history. But he has the work share. He has a lot of wear on the tires. So when you draft a running back with the pedigree of Jonathan Taylor in the first couple of rounds, you don't draft him to sit him on the bench, right? He may only have three or four years 
worth of good quality work as a running back such as Todd Gurley because of the work share he had in college. So they're going to work him right away. Phillip Rivers comes into an Indianapolis as well. He's not who he used to be. He's going to be checking it down. He's going to be working off play action. They're going to be using the run to set up Phillip Rivers to get open with T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, and Michael Pittman. So I love Jonathan Taylor, and honestly, I think he's one of the best zero RB targets. Zero RB, for anybody unfamiliar with fantasy, is basically not taking a running back for the first three at least, maybe four to five rounds. So you take wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends before you take a running back. If you do that, you may still be able to get Jonathan Taylor and maybe the fourth round, even the fifth round, depending on the draft. I think that's a steal because the rest of your team is pretty stacked with top end wide receivers and tight ends, maybe even a high end quarterback as well. So Jonathan Taylor is a top three pick in dynasty easy, uh, arguably the the number two behind Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Maybe Jake, uh, JK Dobbins has a, has a, uh, you know, argument there as well. But in redraft, I think Jonathan Taylor is one of the safer rookies um, doesn't have injury history coming in, which is great. And he's going to get plenty of work there in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think I think a fantasy as a fantasy owner, Jonathan Taylor, you really benefit from the fact that his quarterback Philip Rivers is joining the team too, and he's not gonna you know have that chemistry down pat right now with his receiver, his new playbook. There hasn't been that much time to practice, and when you have such a great offensive line like you mentioned with the Colts, you could expect, like you mentioned, a lot of touches for Jonathan Taylor, especially early in the season until everybody's up to game speed. Uh, first three weeks, I'd expect him to be running the ball hot. I absolutely agree. And to your point on that, before we move on, you know, let's think about the Chargers for years. Although, I mean, you can go back to LaDainian Tomlinson, if you like. LaDainian Tomlinson, Melvin Gordon, last year, Austin Eckler, the running back for Phillip Rivers has been a perennial top end fantasy leading running back. All these guys are uber talented. Now, I think that Jonathan Taylor is absolutely in that conversation for as talented as the rest of those guys. So again, Philip Rivers is going to run enough plays to keep him busy, and Philip Rivers is so good enough to draw back those linebackers, draw back those nickel corners um, to give a little bit more room. And, and Jonathan Taylor is one of those guys. He needs a quick seam. He gets four or five yards of separation with this offensive line. He could have some huge chunks. I could see him, frankly, being in the top five of running backs in 20-plus yard runs. Um, so it's just going to be a matter of how often are they able to score. But as far as rookie running backs specifically – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is my number one, but Jonathan Taylor's right behind him. Yeah, and easy segue. We talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the Kansas State Chiefs. It's kind of interesting that we look at these running back situations of your top three. Jonathan Taylor working behind Wisconsin's offensive line, now going to Indianapolis offensive line. Very similar in terms of structure, in terms of talent. Cam Akers didn't have the best offensive line in Florida State. Now he's working behind another struggling offensive line like the Los Angeles Rams in terms of run game. It's very interesting to now see Clyde Edwards-Alaire working in the best passing offense, which he got in college football. A lot of these rookie running backs, you know, we talk about the fact that they're dealing with this terrible offseason, but it is kind of convenient that they're working in a very similar situation that they had in college. I think that's a great call, man. There's a couple other guys, too, that I didn't put on this list because we're kind of shrinking it to five, but I could talk about these guys all day long. Another one at the running backs before I get in CEH, J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, similar situation that he was in 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 Ohio State. The only difference is he's not yet the lead dog 
but I do think he overtakes Mark Ingram a little bit later. So kind of a sneak peek. Uh, I am very, very high on J.K. Dobbins as well. I think he's a mandatory handcuff for Mark Ingram. I also think he's a guy you could draft in the seventh, eighth round, whether you have Ingram or not, to give you value second half of the season. But I think you're totally right. And, you know, to have these guys have a similar situation, obviously they have a new quarterback, new coaching system, new teammates, new schemes, all that. That is something every rookie deals with no matter what. And we'll get to Joe Burrow, who's even more, I think, comfortable with with what's going on here. But I think it's a great call. With CEH, obviously, he lands in a running back's dream, right? So this is – let's just start with Andy Reid, okay? So Andy Reid's running backs. We we think back to Brian Westbrook. For the the OGs out there who have been playing fantasy for 20 years, Brian Westbrook is – a football hall of famer right out of the passing game rushing game obviously with the eagles for then you had guys like jamal charles then you had spencer Ware even for a season when he got injured then you had kareem hunt now we look at ceh damian williams even last year so inferior talents i think overall to what ceh can bring have been very successful with andy reed now what's very important for people to consider here long term is that andy reed had the pick of the litter for running backs the Chiefs had the last pick in the first round, and they could no running backs have come, come off the board yet. Zero. He could have picked anybody. He could have picked Akers. Could have picked Taylor. Could have picked Dobbins. Could have picked Swift. Could have picked any of these guys. They hand-selected Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on purpose because of his particular skill set. Absolutely incredible receiving running back last year at LSU for Joe Burrow. Phenomenal, obviously, national championship of the rest is history. But they handpicked Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because they knew they had an opportunity for him specifically. Also to help, clearly, Damian Williams, who arguably should have won the Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion, last year. He comes out and opts out this year because of the COVID-19 situation. So he's decided to protect his family, not take the risk, and opt out. Fair enough. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the three-down back. Okay, You have a couple guys there that, you know, uh, Darwin Thompson, um, you have some, some, you know, lower end running backs who are not going to challenge Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for that run. Now, if he needs a breather after busting off a 50-yard run, they'll throw some other guys in there. But he is going to be the one guy back. Andy Reid likes to have a one-back system. Let's think a couple years ago, 2017, another comparative situation here for CEH. Kareem Hunt was drafted as a rookie. In 2017, in that season, he finished as the RB4 overall in PPR. He had 1,300 rush yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, 272 carries. That's a massive workload for any running back, let alone a rookie. He had 53 catches, 455 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. So 320-plus touches, 1,700-plus yards, and 11 touchdowns. Incredible work for any running back, especially a rookie. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. You have this entire team who can spread the defense and back the defense up because you have to respect the pass game. CEH is going to have running lanes out of the spread, and he's going to have plenty of work out of the passing game. If he stays healthy, there's no no, uh, doubt in my mind he could be a top eight running back. He's getting drafted about a top seven running back right now, overall 18 in PPR. It's rich. It's rich. It's definitely risky, but we've seen it happen before. Zeke Elliott was incredible as a rookie. Saquon Barkley was incredible as a rookie. It can definitely happen. 
I would love to have Saquon or Saquon Barkley. I would love to have CEH in the back of my first room, no problem, and then get maybe an Austin Eckler uh, or you know um, maybe a, a Todd Gurley or somebody like that later on that has the veteran pedigree to back up just in case he busts. But I just don't see him busting unless he gets injured. So CEH is by far mine and probably everybody else in fantasy football's favorite rookie running back this season. And it's funny you mentioned Brian Westbrook. On draft day, they told a little story where they went to Andy Reid, some of the scouts, and they said, hey, Coach Reid, I think you should take a look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think you'll find him pretty similar to Brian Westbrook. And then Andy Reid went and watched him, and he came back and said, well, he's better than Westbrook ever was. So if he's better than Westbrook, I think he's in for some big things. And Andy Reid definitely has a history of great running backs, so it's going to be very fun to watch. Moving on to your number one rookie in fantasy, we got Joe Burrow. Again, much like LSU, he's got some great weapons here in Cincinnati. The offensive line has some question marks. Jonah Williams coming in should help. But tell us a little bit about what you like about Burrow, what you like about his opportunity, and just how good you think he could be this season. Yeah, this is great. So this is kind of an interesting one to, to, to call the number one fantasy rookie. And I preface that because in year one, I don't think he's going to be, let's see, I want to be careful with this. I do believe in Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be great. I think he has the upside to be a top 12 quarterback, even as a rookie. If A.J. Green can stay healthy for even 14 games, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, who they hand-selected in the second round, Joe Burrow wanted out of the litter, great wide receiver out of Clemson. They bring him in. Joe Mixon, G. Bernard still has some left in the tank. C.J. Ozama is a fine enough tight end. They have Auden Tate, who's been incredible. John Ross. Um, they have plenty of weapons for Joe Burrow. What it most impresses me about Joe Burrow is his maturity coming into the league. We don't have to go through all of the number one overall picks and the top quarterbacks picked over the last decade or two who have been a bust. There's plenty of them. There's more busts at the number one pick and the number one quarterback than there are people who have – exceeded expectations right how about the last lsu pick to be number one at qb jamarcus russell major hype train with him what a bust i rest my case there's plenty of other people also who have been great long term not right away peyton manning had a horrendous rookie season arguably in the conversation for top three five quarterbacks all time whatever right baker mayfield came out with a ton of hype a couple years ago set the record from breaking Peyton Manning's QB record for passing touchdowns came out last year flat, too much hype. Got Odell Beckham, couldn't do anything with it. They were pretty much average, right? Then we look at Kyler Murray. Last year was phenomenal. All right. Why, uh, running or quarterback seven overall in his rookie season. We see a lot of progression. He gets D Hopkins now this year. Now these are going to be in crazy. So can Joe Burrow get it done? I absolutely think so. What impresses me is his maturity. I think back to Andrew Luck coming out of Stanford. Obviously, one of the best prospects maybe ever at the quarterback position. I think Joe Burrow has the same pedigree. Obviously, if you're looking back to last year, LSU, national championship, incredible run, Heisman Trophy winner, yada, yada. 66 total touchdowns for Joe Burrow. Phenomenal. He has the second best completion percentage all time in college fo football, all the weapons, everything else. He comes to a team that was struggling. Right, Cincinnati was able to get Joe Burrow because they were so bad last year, but A.J. Green was out. Jonah Williams was out. That defense is still horrendous. 
I'm concerned about those kind of things for this particular season, but long-term, I think Joe Burrow is absolutely going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. I'm very biased to Justin Herbert. Again, I am a duck. Um, so I'm biased that way. And I think he'll be great in, in uh, Los Angeles eventually, but I do think both of those guys actually outpace Tua, which is a conversation for another term and Jalen hurts. I don't think he's in the pan out Jordan love. I don't think he's in the pan out either long. term. That's just my opinion. Joe Burrow in this offense, I think can be a top 12 quarterback. If everything goes well, I have him ranked at kind of my back end QB twos right now, just because we don't know, but in a single quarterback league, I'm not touching him unless he's my backup in a super flex league where I'm able to play two quarterbacks at a time. And I need up a three or four on my roster. I would love to have Joe Burrow as my number three, which I can get huge upside, not worried about the floor in a dynasty league. Joe Burrow needs to be on my team. Because long-term, when A.J. Green moves on, they get more uh, younger talent on this team. They beef up the line. They get a better defense. Um, I think Joe Burrow is going to be great. Another thing I, I want to mention on here while I finish up, not a lot of people consider the coaching maneuvers in fantasy football. We just went into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire quite a bit with Andy Reid. Joe Burrow is getting a young innovative coaching staff which is so important for these day and ages quarterbacks okay matt lafleur going to green bay and trying to tell aaron Rodgers to change everything he's been doing for 20 years isn't going to work okay joe burrow is getting zach taylor a young quarterback coach he's getting Brian callahan's um uh son who's coming over who helped out Derek carr in his mvp quote-unquote season a few years ago he also helped matt stafford in his best years with the lions Zach Taylor helped Jared Goff with the Rams a couple years ago, leading him almost to an MVP and leading to the Super Bowl. So taking these young quarterbacks and knowing how to work with the rookie and knowing how to teach them the system and work slow and get them prepped is very, very important. They also worked with Ryan Tannehill his first couple of years in Miami. And Ryan Tannehill had a lot of those years cut short due to injuries, but his overall first three, four seasons of his career are the most passing yards of any quarterback ever in the first four years with Dan Marino and Peyton Manning. So obviously these guys know how to get the best out of their quarterback. Joe Burrow's got all the skills. He's got the mentality. He's got the swag. He's got the confidence. I think he's going to have a leadership right away because it's a young team. And if AJ Green can stay healthy, in my opinion, a borderline Hall of Famer out there with a bunch of young bucks as well. Joe Mixon's a top six running back for me, period. So I love Joe Burrow. This year's going to be tricky, but I would love to have every one of these guys on my fantasy teams in redraft and certainly in dynasty. Yeah, and a little bit of a hot take for you. I think Joe Burrow is going to break the rookie touchdown record. I think he's one of the most pro-ready prospects we've seen coming out. He's got a lot of weapons. He works the pocket extremely well, handles pressure. Very impressive. I think I – I know it's a hot take and it's not an easy task, but I think Joe Burrow is going to be someone that has enough usage – enough opportunity, and I think he's going to set the rookie touchdown record despite all the uh, disadvantages he's had to go through this offseason. You know, I got to say, I agree with you there. And the the rookie passing record now was 27 with Baker Mayfield. He was doing that with very kind of little weapons. David Njoku, right? Jarvis Landry. Um, He also didn't start to start the season. Burrow's going to start week one. Exactly. Honestly, if if – Man, I hate to put it this way, but if Joe Burrow doesn't come close to that, he plays a full 16 with these weapons, and especially if A.J. Green stays healthy, if Joe Burrow doesn't put up 30 touchdowns, which would break it by a a few, and get well over 4,000 yards in his rookie season, 
I don't want to say it's a disappointment or a bust. It's not because it's a that's a huge move to make as a rookie. But I will say with everything set up in the table that he's able to have, should be a high-powered offense. The second half of the season when they were using Joe Mixon more out of the passing game and they were more of a balanced attack, they were running the six most, most plays in the NFL. If they're able to keep that top 10 offense going, and that defense is horrendous, so they're going to be playing catch-up. They're in an incredible division with the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns. They're going to be playing a lot of shootouts. Man, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I think Joe Burrow could absolutely get 30 and 4,500 as a rookie. That puts him in the top 12 quarterbacks easy. And let's not forget, he's got sneaky rushing ability, which we know is the cheat code in fantasy football. Yes, sir. And that is Sky Wasco giving you his top five. Sky, give yourself a little shout-out. Tell us about your show. Tell us about your Twitter. Go ahead. You got it. Thank you, boys, so much. I appreciate you having me on. So my name is Sky Guasco. I am the host of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. We have all sorts of stuff. We have a draft guide available uh, on tckpod.com. You can grab that. We have some one-on-one coaching as well to help you win your fantasy leagues. We also, if you guys are interested, let me know. But if your listeners are interested, we also have a listener league for our podcast that we have a couple spots left in. If you're interested, make sure to shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod or on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. We are live on Twitch through the Landry football networks every Monday through Thursday, six to 7 PM Eastern time. That's twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Of course you can find everybody here on LandryFootball.com. And again, we are the candlestick kids fantasy football podcast you can listen to us anywhere you listen to your podcast leave a rate and review we're on youtube as well and you can find us i really appreciate you guys having me on man we'll have to return the favor soon and i wish everybody well in their fantasy leagues this year yeah everybody you know check out sky show a lot of people probably do in their drafts later than usual this year at the preseason so the season's starting a little later as well sky between the two alabama uh, wide receivers drafted in the first round, Judy and Ruggs. Which is the one that is more likely to be a bust when it comes to the fantasy season this year? Who are you saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that guy? That's an interesting call. A bust is a scary term for fantasy football. I'll, I'll say this. I would rather have Jerry Judy even as the number two in Denver. The reason is I believe in Drew Locke. I believe in the offense. Cortland Sutton's a monster, so he's going to leave plenty of work for one-on-one for Jerry Judy, one of the best route runners in this draft class to do work. I would rather have Jerry Judy. I will say this, though. Henry Ruggs is a pass for me, not because of him. It's because of Derek Carr. I think my boy Marcus Mariota, who came over from Tennessee, gets a fresh start. He takes over eventually in Las Vegas, and I think he actually does better with deep ball passing than Derek Carr. So Ruggs might have a chance, but overall, I think Judy's the guy you're going to want long-term. He's the guy I want this year because I don't trust Derek Carr. Derek Carr is number 40. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Derek Carr is number 40 in ADOT, average depth of target last year. Not excited about that. Henry Henry Ruggs can take any slant to the house. I know that. But if he's the number one with Tyrell Williams hurt now, he's the one getting the double coverage, I don't think it's going to happen. Blazing speed, world-class speed, respect. He's going to have some huge plays to Sean Jackson, but I don't want to count on that every single week unless I'm in a best ball draft. I'll take Jerry Judy by a nose. And the other, the other thing that I wanted to know here, and Mike, I want your opinion on this as well, but start Sky. Last year, fifth-round pick for the Giants, Darius Slayton had a really good rookie fantasy year, eight touchdowns, 740 yards, 48 receptions. He figures to be a big piece in the Giants' offense moving forward. But 
What late round pick from this year's NFL draft is someone you're keeping your eye on and may make a big impact? I remember a few years ago, 2016, uh, Tajay Sharp was like jumping up everybody's fantasy draft boards as a late round pick. Uh, we did okay, but who who's someone you, you might be keeping your eye on uh, from later a later round pick from this year's NFL draft? Well, for me, yeah, I just I love it. So free- we're talking. Go ahead. You got it. You got it. Oh, I was just saying, if we're talking NFL, uh, you know, later round picks, I think a sneaky one, actually, for me, if we're talking NFL later round picks, I think, Eno Benjamin running back for the Cardinals is kind of a super dark horse, but I think he's one that could get some work. If, if Kenyon Drake, who had kind of a, a walking boot issue, he seems to be fine. But if there's an issue there, I think that could be a, a big move for him. Also, again, there's plenty of wide receivers in this draft class. Uh, Vaughn Jefferson, I think could be great. Um, and again, Michael Pittman is not a late round NFL draft pick, but he is a late round fantasy draft pick. And that's my boy. I'm telling you, I'm not drafting T.Y. Hilton anywhere. I'm over T.Y. Hilton. I'm not going to bank that he's going to stay healthy. I don't think he's going to click with Rivers right away. I think Michael Pittman takes over that number one role in Indianapolis before too long. And therefore, I think he becomes the guy uh, for the Colts. So it's interesting, man. I've got a lot of deep sleepers. A lot of those are in our draft guide um, that people can go check out at tckpod.com. That would be maybe easier to just kind of rifle through real quick. But, you know, deep sleepers as far as NFL draft picks are kind of a different conversation than um, fantasy. And if we're talking NFL draft picks, another running back to keep an eye on, there's two of them. Um, obviously, A.J. Dillon, uh, who's, again, not late round, second round pick, but with the Packers. But we have Darrington Evans coming out of Appalachian State who's backing up Derrick Henry. And look, Derrick Henry is a truck, all right? I don't expect him to get injured anytime soon. He's injuring other people. But if he goes down for some reason, Darrington Evans is going to run into that 300 total touch average uh, over game to game. That's a huge win right there. I think that's a great, um, great grab. And then, you know, again, I think that there's a handful of these other guys that, you know, you could potentially take a take a, a fire on, such as Anthony McFarlane, who I like to call uh, Lil Boog or Booger Jr. Um, but he is backing up uh, James Conner now in, in uh, Pittsburgh. And we know that James Conner hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of seasons. So if he goes down, there's a potential there for him to uh, pick it up there. So I think, you know, McFarland's another deeper name. Yeah. And for me, in terms of rookies, I think it's, I think it's important that I preface by saying, I was a big Darwin Thompson guy last year, so don't buy my hype trains. I'm not very good at this thing. But in terms of opportunity, I think a guy that maybe gets overlooked is Joshua Kelly coming out of UCLA, going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, Austin Eckler is going to be getting the bulk of the snaps, and maybe Justin Jackson's that running back too, but it's going to be between Jackson and Kelly. And Kelly could be that guy. And when we saw Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler just last year, two years ago, whichever you want to call it, both of these guys are getting plenty of opportunity. Both of these guys are putting up plenty of points. So if Joshua Kelly can beat out Justin Jackson for that job, I think he's going to be a great depth add and a really good opportunity for potential touches. In terms of wide receivers, I have to go with my bias in rankings and with just a guy that I love, and it's Jawan Jennings, who's playing for the San Francisco 49ers. I think he's going to be a big slot type. And Emmanuel Sanders is gone. The wide receiver – window there was already an issue and then now Debo Samuel has a foot injury that he's dealing with there's plenty of opportunity they brought in Kevin White which a lot of people want to believe in you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fall for the Kevin White hype train but 
if there is an opportunity for Jawan Jennings, I trust that he's going to have a big impact, and I look forward to it. Uh, Man, I I love both those picks. If I could jump in really quick now, yeah, I go love ahead. both those picks. Joshua Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. I'm you know I'm glad you brought him up. He he I think will be the number two. I love Justin Jackson. I said on our podcast for the last two seasons that I think that Justin Jackson is as talented as Austin Eckler. Obviously, he's not going to get the same work. Austin Eckler has gained like 80 pounds or whatever in muscle this offseason. So he's a beast. We saw what he did last year. But I think Justin Jackson, healthy, is able to be that similar guy. What neither one of those guys are, though, is a goal line short yardage back. And Joshua Kelly's that guy. He played for Chip Kelly down at UCLA. I think he did a great job. I think that's a steal. That's an excellent pick. And then my dog, Jawan Jennings. I am a 49er. You can see my man, the legend Frank Gore here behind me. Jawan Jennings is a great pick out of Tennessee. Excellent, strong receiver. Now, if you look at the player profile, it's the Shanahan-type wide receiver, right? Not a true one necessarily, but what does he do? He can run out of the backfield. He can run with the ball in his hands. He was one of the top wide receivers in yards after catch. Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, who was the first pick, is the number one yards after catch wide receiver. Debo Samuel's top. George Kittle was the top for – uh, tight ends, Jalen Hurd, who unfortunately tore his ACL and is out again this season, another yards after catch guy. So Kyle Shannon has a type of receiver and a type of player, and Jawan Jennings fits that really well. I love that pick, man. Nobody's talking about him. I think he's a great guy deeper in uh, in fantasy drafts to absolutely keep an eye on in, um, in uh, dynasty leagues. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sky. We'll have to have you on next year to hype up CJ Verdell. For now, though, we say goodbye. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Thank you for coming on. All right, brother. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Thank you. So, Sky, make sure you're checking out his show. Uh, but, Michael, you know, he 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 has Joe Burrow as number one rookie uh, for the fantasy draft. And you love Joe Burrow as well. And, you know, you're expecting big thanks from him from this year. He's going he's gonna to come in and make an immediate impact, unlike some of maybe people – in the past years where they weren't able to come in early rounds uh, in the draft and, and make an immediate impact, especially at the quarterback position from week one. Yeah. I think Joe Burrow is really set up to succeed entirely. And I think one of the best things about him is like I talked about with Sky, he handles pressure extremely well. And when you have that in the quarterback, it is huge. And you don't really see it out of rookies. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa has that issue where, when he had games where they were consistently getting pressure, he would struggle. He would have some issues. He would throw some turnovers. And even with Justin Herbert, we saw it. And he's athletically gifted to where he can make plays, he could take hits. But there were times where you got him off balance and he was struggling. Joe Burrow finds a way to stand in pressure, take hits, and make throws that are on the money. You saw it against Texas constantly where he was putting incredible passes out there, even off balance, rolling to his left, rolling to his right. He was making the throws that you see out of NFL quarterbacks at the top of their game. And I talked about in my profile last year on him. He's not going to be the athletically gifted QB like a Mahomes, like Lamar Jackson that has this trait that really sets them apart in terms of uh, like arm talent or running ability or mobility. And while he does have a decent arm and he has some nice legs, that will surprise you. I think his trait is the fact that he has so much composure in the pocket and he handles it so well. Yeah. And obviously he did tremendous winning the Heisman last season. He rose tremendously through the draft boards. 
Uh, you mentioned last week he may have been undrafted or a day three pick going into the season, and now he was number one pick. And again, that goes to talk about this upcoming season where it's like, well, if if a guy like Justin Fields isn't going to play, his his he's going to be okay. But there might be some guy at another school where he would have rose up this year, uh, and I might not get the chance because his confidence isn't playing, but. Uh, yeah, Burrow did a tremendous job last year rising through the draft ranks just from his performance on the field at LSU leading them to the national championship. Yeah, and I think when you look at the season Joe Burrow had, it's not just Joe Burrow that's done it. I mean, we look at the year before that, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins weren't being talked about as first-round QBs. Both ended up rising up boards. Even Daniel Jones was a bit of a surprise. And then the year before that, we look at Baker Mayfield was looked at as a day three quarterback, probably early day three, but he still went number one, surprising many in that regard. We've seen this common in years past, and it's continuously happening. I think it's a safe bet that this year there will be another rising QB who really elevates his stock so much that he goes a lot higher than expected. And leading with that, I think we look into my top five QBs that I think could be the next Quarterback riser at number five, I have Mikhail Cunningham, redshirt junior out of Louisville. Look, when Lamar Jackson left Louisville, a lot of people expected this program to kind of just go under. And the second Cunningham came in, he proved himself as a very talented quarterback. This past year, Scott Satterfield took over as head coach, and he put up a great season. I think one of the issues with Cunningham, there's two. One, a lot of his plays are based on RPO, which is common in the NFL. It's, it's definitely trending up. But when every play is happening as an R, as a run-pass option, I think there's going to be questions about your overall game, your ability to read defenses in, an, in a fully functioning pass offense. And I think if he kind of – if this offense kind of expands into some more traditional passing plays, more empty gun sets, stuff like that, I think we'll see whether Cunningham is the – prospect that some people want him to be and I think he could be very easily the other issue I have with him though is he short arms balls very commonly he kind of throws with his elbow more than his overall arm and it'll lead to some underthrown passes now obviously he has some great plays he has some great passing ability through 22 touchdowns last season on only five interceptions through about 62 and a half percent Cunningham is a very talented quarterback for the University of Louisville and if he were to develop his game even further, I think he provides a skill set that many quarterbacks do not have. He also ran for six touchdowns last season. So he's in for a big year this year. We'll see if it's enough to bring him up as a prospect. And again, if you guys make any comments, we'll try to bring him up on screen, try to answer him and respond to him. We love having any fan interaction we can. Yeah, the next the next thing on our list, we were getting tons of comments about him on the first show. Yeah, Tommy DeVito out of Syracuse. Look, there are some issues with DeVito's game as well. And I think that's important to remember. A lot of these guys, before they rise up these boards, they had reasons for being lower in terms of how they were viewed. Some of these guys, maybe it was just lack of playtime, but guys like Burrow, guys like Mayfield, they didn't have the best year prior, and then they elevated their game. I think Tommy DeVito is someone that has arm talent that is extremely impressive. He has plays where I was watching film last night and he was playing Western Michigan. He's on the opposite hash, looking downfield. He throws the ball 15 yards on out, complete rope. And 
it's plays like that that maybe you don't really notice when you're watching the game because it's like, oh, a 15-yard pass, that's good. But it's not something you really, you know, you realize how impressive it is until you go back and watch. And DeVito has his inconsistencies. But if he puts it together, he has an arm talent that will knock it out of the first round. And I don't say that lightly. I think his arm is one of the best in college football. It just comes down to whether he can put it together consistently. He threw about 62.5% last season, 63%. And he had 19 touchdowns, five interceptions. But the issue that happened was there were so many games where he would either come out flat or not put up the yardage and stats until the end of the game. So we need to see him put it together at a better level. Yeah, and, then and once I, he gets I, I level, could, I could see some uh, Daniel Jones comparisons as far as Jones rose up. Both go to basketball schools, both in the ACC, and yet for some reason they uh, make a big impact. And look, DeVito has given Clemson some trouble as of late. So you know he's, he gets he gets those those games, the spotlight games. Everyone that we watch in Clemson, so that could definitely help him. And here it is, right on cue. A uh, DeVito comment. Elon Hudgod loves DeVito's pocket presence. Thinks he will look better with a better offensive line. Too much easy pressure given up by his line. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think Syracuse's line? offensive line does have its issues. And I think while they have had a lot of changing receiver cores, I think they do a pretty good job of bringing in nice weapons in that regard. I really love Babers as a head coach. So we'll see how he does this year. At number three, as you can see, Hendon Hooker. The quarterback out of Virginia Tech, this is a guy that I think is completely underrated. He only started eight games, put up 13 passing touchdowns, ran for five, only two interceptions in that time, threw about 61.1%. So obviously he's going to want to improve in that regard. But Hooker offers a very nice skill set, a very nice build. He takes contact well. He makes plays with his legs and with his arm. He's got to clean up some of his mechanics, and he's got to clean up some of his decision-making. But I think... Overall, the difference we saw with Virginia Tech between him and Ryan Willis, who Ryan Willis was a solid college quarterback, but when Hendon Hooker stepped in, you saw a lot of change with this offense, a lot more productivity, and I think that is how you get this team going, and that is how you build a draft stock for yourself. If you are putting together a successful season as the star of that team, you're going to get some notoriety, and scouts are going to take notice as well, and Hendon Hooker, while he may not be able to win the ACC, I think Clemson probably has it on lock. If Virginia Tech puts together a great year, Hooker could be one of those guys that flies up draft boards, and I think he has the skill set to do so. Number two, I have Spencer Sanders. Yeah, and every I just every wanted to mention, and every time you uh, you see a quarterback from Virginia Tech, unfortunately, unfairly, they always get those Michael Vick comparisons. Uh, so, you know, I guess Michael Vick, he, he really changed the way the quarterback position was played and Virginia Tech really has benefited for that as a late. Yeah. And I think the NFL is now going and being more accepting to the fact that these QBs that maybe don't have as great of an arm, but can still scramble around and make plays with their legs. It proves that there's so much more to an offense that you can do. And Hendon Hooker, I think he has a great arm and he has some great legs. So when you offering that dual threat ability, as long as he can continue to grow as a passer, I think he's going to entice a lot of teams. And even if he, you know, decides to stay redshirt sophomore could very easily return to school, try to get another year under his belt, try to prove himself a little bit more. You look at, 
everything that he can do as a passer is just, you know, he throws downfield extremely well. He gets around in the pocket. He moves around, rolls out pretty well. So I really like his skill set. Another guy that I really like is Spencer Sanders out of Oklahoma State. I think this guy is someone that has really been hyped up since he stepped on the campus there in Stillwater. And I think as he grows as a quarterback, we will see a lot more love for him. He has a very impressive arm. He needs to get more zip on his passes. That's one thing that, you know, arm talent, it's hard to evaluate. You're able to throw deep, but you need to get more zip on some of those, you know, short to intermediate throws. Even when you're throwing about 20, 30 yards downfield, you still need to have a nice rope on it. So for Sanders, that's that's an aspect in which he can grow his game. He has some very off decision-making at times, and I think that just comes with being such a young guy playing the position. Oklahoma State is very reliant on the passing game, even with Chuba Hubbard in the backfield. They want to find a QB that can throw the ball, that can run the ball as well as Spencer Sanders. Now it's just trying to find a way to put it all together and really make it to where you can – get success if Oklahoma State has a big year out of Sanders I think they're a sleeper to contend for the Big 12 and I don't think many people are talking about it because every year it seems to be Oklahoma other than Oklahoma you know there's not many schools that are contending for the spot unless you know Justin Fields transfers to like a TCU or something but I think the capabilities that Spencer Sanders has in terms of ceiling if he's able to unlock that ability this could be special, yeah. and this could be another extremely talented QB. Yeah, it's definitely about time Mike Gundy breaks through and you know gets in the championship discussion. I thought they were going to do it a few years back with Mason Rudolph, but you know OSU is a pretty decent place to be if you uh, are a quarterback prospect because you know we we talked about Brandon Whedon. He shut up. He shut up draft boards. Mason Rudolph was an early round pick as well, and. Sanders just following, uh, following in their footsteps, and Mike Gundy, he, he's a, he's a pretty solid coach, and he does, he does a good job with with his quarterbacks on the college level. Uh, we have a question from Flake, Fake Plastic T. Would Slavis be a riser, or has he already been noticed? Well, first off, Slavis is eligible in this QB draft. He would be next year, and I think he's already considered one of the top guys. Slavis and Sam Howell for the 2022 NFL draft, I think are highly regarded. So I wouldn't really consider them risers unless Slavis were to have something that were to really tank his stock this season. And then you kind of have to go and reevaluate, figure out whether he is worth the hype that we saw this season. So for my number one guy, I have to go with Skylar Thompson out of Kansas state. And when I was first watching Skylar Thompson, it was when I was watching Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. And that's one of the biggest benefits of scouting. Once you get through your first year, you kind of have a little bit of a, a foundation for watching the other prospects. You get a little bit of a sneak peek to any prospects in the future. Skylar Thompson is someone that I am extremely high on. For a while, I just kind of liked his film, but I didn't want to say too much just because, you know, he he didn't he never was super flashy in terms of stats or production. He only threw 12 touchdowns last season, five interceptions to go with it. So not a great touchdown to interception ratio. But when watching this film, I just couldn't stop finding myself impressed with his capabilities. I think a lot of passes, he would hit these guys on the chest and the ball would just go straight to the ground. And one thing that I noticed was I kind of found myself having the same opinion of him that I had when watching Joe Burrow last season, where I was like, man, you know, he has some stuff that I didn't expect 
I'm more impressed on him than I really thought I would be, but I'm not really going to, you know, put my foot down on the guy just because I, I, I guess I kind of just expected him to just be average. And even though I liked him, I didn't want to really look into deep because I, I had already made a preformed opinion on him this year. I'm not doing it. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. But Skylar Thompson is someone that has an extremely impressive pocket presence, much like Joe Burrow. He's got capabilities with his legs. He's got capabilities with his arm. He doesn't have the cannon, maybe, that a lot of these prospects will entice teams with. But I think Skylar Thompson is someone that is going to put together a big year for Kansas State. He's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think going forward, this is my guy as my prediction of the QB riser that will surprise many this season. Uh, keep in mind, he's a senior, so we don't know if there's going to be a senior ball this year. They're probably not going to have everybody to come together. So um, there won't be any second guessing available there as long as he has a good season. Now, a team we've been talking about on our show so far is UNC. And our guy here wants to talk about Sam Howell. Yeah, Sam Howell is someone that I think is extremely impressive, had a great freshman season. Now, we will see if he continues to grow. We've seen a lot of guys have these great freshman years kind of trail off and find themselves as, you know, solid QBs and not really as hype draft-wise. But after one year, he's had a great year. UNC has some extremely impressive weapons, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown. So I think he's going to make the most of it. I think he's going to continue to grow his name, grow his brand for the 2022 NFL draft. And right now, he's the front runner to be the first pick for that draft. And I know... There's a lot of time between now and then, so it could change. But he's off to the good start. Yeah, we want to thank everybody for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball, and you can listen to this podcast on your world device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get podcasts for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scanning, administrative perspective. Go to LandryFootball.com today from high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes. LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. And a lot of, a lot of people have been asking us on social media, oh my gosh, when is Michael going to do his top prospects of the Big 12 by position? That's coming up Monday, right, Michael? Everybody can tune yes, in for that. Look forward to it. Uh, really just, we'll take, we'll take any topics that you guys want to talk about. So if you send me some ideas on Twitter, send some to Nick, we'll try to bring them onto the show, try to incorporate them into the show. I'll make up some, some of these cool graphics that I've been making. We have a lot of fun with it. We want the fans to really enjoy what they're watching. So if you have any ideas, anything you want us to talk about, feel free to let us know and we will try to bring it into the next show or the one after that. Yeah, make sure you're tweeting Michael at Mr. Underscore NFL Draft. Tweet me at Nick Underscore Durst. We hope you like this fantasy football crossover here. But that's going to do it for another great episode for Michael Rockman, for myself, Nick Durst, and for our guest, Sky. Make sure you check out his show. This has been Destination Draft Day. Take care, guys.